Hey there, friend. Thanks for joining me again today. I appreciate each and every one of you who listen to this podcast. So another week of October has just rolled along. Is it just me or is this fall particularly busy? I don't know. I get maybe it's just me, my schedule this this season, but it's been busy. So what are we pondering today? Well, I was trying to think of a story I could share with you to intro our Psalm 24, our second week in Psalm 24. And the only thing I could think of was this memory. I I kept thinking about this memory I had from when I was about five or six years old. And I was thinking about how this just doesn't happen anymore. It's sort of an interesting phenomena in our changing culture and society. And I swear, this really was a common thing back then. I'm not weird, really. Anyway, what is my memory? I remember hanging out in my neighborhood, which was a thing we did, you know, wander around the neighborhood unsupervised. And it was really great, actually. And anyway, I was hanging out in the neighborhood and I was having an argument with some kid in my neighborhood about how great my dad was. It was a my dad is better than your dad contest. And in fact, the way this often repeated conversation would go, and everybody did this, was you would say, my dad could beat up your dad. That's what we would say. It was really okay to talk this way. And I realized that even when my kids were little, which is now, you know, 25 years ago, um, that this had become taboo. People didn't talk this way. And I remember saying it. I remember telling this other kid that my dad was the tallest man in the world, so he could definitely beat up his dad. Isn't that funny? I think the funniest part is this was just considered normal banter between kids, and we would we then went off and played together like everything was fine. Now, why was I thinking about that? Well, you know what? I really believed it. And that is the jewel of this story. That is really what I thought about my dad. I don't think we really look at fatherhood that way anymore. It's sad. Something has been kind of lost that we don't have. My dad can beat up your dad arguments. The way we looked at dads back then, it was a lot closer to how we should look at God, wasn't it? I think it's harder for kids and for all of us to grasp who God is today than it was then. It's not a bad thing to think your dad can beat up all the other dads. It's not a bad thing when it helps you grasp how much bigger God is than us. And that is what I want to ponder today. This is the Pause and Ponder podcast with me, Susie. I don't know about you, but I want to pause every day and ponder the greatness of God. All right, so we are in Psalm 24, and it's our second week in Psalm 24. Last week, I talked about the context, about the different times that they sang this psalm, which I think is really cool to think about when we read the words or say the words and think of other people saying these words in those contexts and to think about what they sing about when they are dedicating something to God, when they're celebrating God is here. But one of the reasons I picked this psalm is because I I love looking at this psalm in particular and focusing 
on who God is, what the psalm reveals about God's attributes. And there's so many, I think, here in this psalm. It also has in this psalm, 24, how we should respond to who God is. We look at who he is and then we respond, but we're going to save that for another time. Today, we're just going to look at the attributes of God that we see revealed in Psalm 24. And don't we need to be reminded of that all the time? I know I do. I think we need to encourage each other with words about who God is. And we need to tell the world, hey, this is our God. So how does it start? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We actually aren't bringing God into anything. Because he's already there. The earth is his and it belongs to him. He's the creator. You know, I think it's a reminder of how big God is. Think about that. Think about for a second. How big, how huge, I mean, what is, I can't even think of the right word, gigantic God is. It makes me think of a few verses that help us try to expand our brains to understand how big God is. So from Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Even just what he thinks about is bigger than we can imagine. And Isaiah 40, 28, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And last, Jeremiah 32, 27, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? For some reason, I think it's easy to forget how big God is. And these scriptures, along with Psalm 24, remind us. God has filled his message to us, the Bible, with reminders and revelation of how big he really is. Do you remember that book, Your God is Too Small? Have you heard of that? It actually, I looked it up. Actually, it's really old. It's from 1953 and by J.B. Phillips. But then I think what I was actually thinking about was a book called When People Are Big and God is Small, because that was written in 1987. But both those books, they both involve the idea that we forget the sovereignty of God. You know, we get consumed with worry or fear and slip into thinking Our problems are too big for God to handle. But that's not true. Our God is not small. And that's what, that's where I'm really stuck today in pondering this. The earth and everything in it is the Lord's. Our God is not small. There's no debt too big for God to handle. There's no bitterness too big for God to handle. There's no illness, no unemployment. No loneliness or depression that is too big for God to handle. Aren't you glad God never gets overwhelmed? The earth and everything in it is the Lord's. I think it's a great way to start this psalm, to be reminded, God 
can handle it. Just like Jesus said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things, all things are possible. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, the whole world, and those who dwell therein. So not just the earth, but those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. That book, Our God is Not Small, I looked up some quotes from it, and here's a quotation from that book. Many men and women today are living, often with inner dissatisfaction, without any faith in God at all. This is because they have not found with their adult minds a God big enough. And that was back in 1953. How many people today have not found with their adult minds a God that is big enough? And then that book actually went through misconceptions about who God is, and then an explanation of who Jesus is. It was kind of cool. And so the earth and everything in it is the Lord's. We have a big God who is sovereign over every problem, over every situation, over every circumstance. And not only is he sovereign, but he's good. Everything God created is good. That, I think that's important to remember too. He's not this big, mean, controlling God that, you know, has like that <laughs> laugh of controlling your life. God is good. And just thinking about all of this belonging to God and God making everything, how big God is. It makes the psalmist ask the next question. Who shall ascend? Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can approach God? You know, consider this mighty, powerful, sovereign God. Who could dare approach him? It sort of reminds me of Esther being fearful of approaching her husband king because he had the, you know, the right to kill someone, to have someone executed who approached him without being bidden to him. But anyway, the psalmist says, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And the answer tells us or reminds us of other attributes of God. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Why that? Why someone with clean hands and a pure heart? Because God is holy. And like I said, we're going to think about the response of our response as people, as humans, Later, right now, we're just looking at who God is and why can only one with clean hands and a pure heart approach God. God is holy. So just think about that for a minute. Think about God's holiness. Set apart, different from us, perfect. Those are the things I think of with holiness. Clean hands and a pure heart. Don't try to approach God in your sin. Just pondering God's holiness. You know, if you think about it, other gods like Greek and Roman mythology or gods and goddesses in Hinduism, they're not holy. Some of them are really mean and frightening and they definitely have weaknesses. If you've ever read Greek mythology, they're sort of just like glorified superheroes, superhumans. The only true God, our God, is not even in the same league. It's like a flashlight compared to the sun. God is holy. 
Just think about all the times in scripture we are told that God is holy and that holy means this idea of being set apart and perfect and in a completely different league than any of us. I mean, we think about God's holiness. I think, again, it's a thing that we can sort of take for granted. Like, oh yeah, God's holy. Of course God's perfect. He's God. But have you ever thought about that? Just think about it. We don't even have an example because nothing on earth that that we see or interact with is perfect. We always say, well, I, I don't know about you, but I always say this. Well, it doesn't have to be perfect, right? But God is perfect. Here's what God says about himself in Isaiah 40, 25. To whom then will you liken me that I would be his equal, says the Holy One, says the Holy One. Exactly. We can't compare him to anybody. And 1 Samuel 2, 2 says, there is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. That's the whole point. There's just nothing we can compare him to. I guess that's why it's hard to wrap our brain around the extent of his attributes. And then Exodus 15, 11, who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness. That's a good word for it, majestic. Awesome in praises, working wonders. Who is like you, our holy God? And when we take time to ponder the holiness of God, it does build that fear of God in the way of, you know, respect and reverence and awe. And it puts us in the right place too of recognizing our sin. I think that's what the world is missing. They're missing. They're missing, like that book said, in their adult minds, the idea of how big God is and the idea of how holy God is. Now imagine approaching that kind of perfection without Jesus, without Jesus covering us or taking our sin, just, you know, in our own merit, standing there quaking in your boots. It's unthinkable. I think focusing on God's holiness helps me grow a proper fear of God and an appreciation for what it really means that Christ died for me. Those words are so familiar. I feel like I always have to try to ponder something that makes me realize the truth of it, you know, and just say, oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross, blah, 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 blah. I've heard it five million times. But to really be like, wait a second, wait a second, God did this for me. I always appreciate something that makes me realize the magnitude of that. You know, the other book I mentioned is actually about the fear of God versus the fear of man. I told you the title was When People Are Big and God is Small, but the full title is When People Are Big and God is Small, Overcoming Peer Pressure, Codependency, and the Fear of Man. I think I might need to reread that book. Here's some quotes from it. From this book. Anything that erodes the fear of God will intensify the fear of man. And this, when God and spirituality are reduced to our standards or our feelings, God will never be to us the awesome Holy One of Israel. With God reduced in our eyes, a fear of people will thrive. When God is reduced in our eyes, a fear of people will thrive. There's another reason 
to be reminded and to ponder how big God is. How big God is in being sovereign and in control and the creator and how how big in a way of being like not even comparable to us God is in being holy and perfect and set apart from us. He's not just a really strong human. He's not limited to the abilities or the thinking or the existence of man. And I think that's when people do get misconceptions of God is when they put God in the box of what they can understand. You know, even Christians who um, or theologians who are trying to understand God, but then they, they use too much logic to understand God. They're putting God in a box of human understanding. And that's not right. We shouldn't do that. I mean, obviously we should try to understand God as much as we can and what he has revealed about us, but it doesn't always have to make all, you know, all make sense because God is God. He gets to decide who he is. He is who he is and he's not human. So it's not going to fit inside the limited minds of even the smartest people on the planet. So our God is not small. And I think Psalm 24 reminds us even just these first few verses and helps us to sing praise to a holy God, the creator of all things, a God so big that we can't fully describe or understand him, but also one who desires to bless us who has had a plan all along to save us. But that's in the next few verses. And we'll save that to ponder next time. Thanks for listening. And I hope as you go through your week, go through your day, as you notice creation, you'll be reminded of how big God is, of his sovereignty over all the earth and all people. And maybe when you notice something that is imperfect in your world, you'll be reminded of how perfect God is and that he is the only one that is perfect in any way. He is holy. Our God is not small. I hope those thoughts will encourage you till next time.